0: Hello and welcome back to the third and final episode of our michaelmas series of of j c m s in conversation a mini podcast series started this year in the hope of of offering some some alternative experiences um that college members and other people can get their teeth stuck into in the absence of the ability to host proper in person concerts um I'll just say a, a little bit about where we've got to with the series and, and kind of how it's how it's been going so far, and then I'll introduce our master, um, and then we'll kind of we'll go from there. So we decided at the start that we wanted to we wanted to we wanted to focus on whole albums rather than individual tracks because um, it it brings out a whole different uh, question of selection. I think. I mean, we all know pieces that we love that come from albums that we don't listen to the whole way through. And I think w- particularly with streaming, it's very easy to just pick out your favourite songs and have them all on repeat. But actually, um, a lot of them have to be placed within the context of a wider album. So it's been interesting to talk about that. And Aurelio's, in addition to that, was about particular recordings as well, placing much-loved works like Bay and Nine within a particular context, which was really interesting. And today, I suppose, I hope how we'd hoped to develop from that today was that we'd be lucky enough to have the master sanita with us and i want and i mentioned last week that music is such a, a sort of a really good springboard into um into into people's wider personalities and people's stories about people's lives really and i think that was i'd really like to kind of use your album choices as a as a gateway into to having some insights from you because you've had such an interesting career in and around music. Um so that's that's really where I'd hope to go today. Um Sunita, it's a it's a great pleasure to have you here and we're really grateful that you could spare the time. No, um, thank
1: you. Thank you very much for inviting me. It's a great
0: pleasure and and um I mean uh, you don't need much introduction within the college of course, but um your career that strikes me is was has just been um n- remarkable in that at every stage, you've been kind of you've you've been really involved in trying to harness the power of technology and what that can do to the media and to music. And you've been involved from the beginning in in really in really grassroots projects that help to shape the future of the music industry, if if I can put it like that. And I'm sure you would be too modest to say that, but I think um, you you've you have positioned yourself over your career in a position that puts you in an absolutely amazing position to talk about. Um, music as it as it reaches the wider as it reaches a wider society and um and now you now you're here as master of the college i think it would be really interesting to look back at some of that and to get some of your insights and um i hope to do that by starting with these albums that you've brought with you today if you could just explain in brief um to the listener which albums you've bought, why you've bought them, why you love them, and hopefully we could go from there. That would be great.
1: Okay, that sounds like a sounds like a good plan, Jason. Um, it's hard picking albums, um, and thanks for the, what you said. I think that um, for me, music has been a a driver of of my career. It's been the thing that um, sometimes you're waiting for that spark. You're waiting to think, okay, what what is the thing that that I'm going to commit to what is the thing that I I love and the thing that's going to propel me on propel me onwards and uh, music has been that for me it's it's I think it's where I found myself and I found the thing that I thought I'm going to do that um I remember when I left uh university with a philosophy degree back in 1988 um I I hadn't really worked out what I wanted to do um I ended up getting a job which was kind of accidental but it was sales, I think sales is a very good thing to do, financial sales. And um, I was there for about eight months to a year. I can't remember the exact time frame because I went from two different offices. But I remember thinking I didn't want to do that anymore. I just thought that I'm going to spend an awful lot of my time working and that I should work in something that I enjoyed. So I kind of thought about the things I liked and I thought to myself, I just like jazz. Yeah, and this is coming off out of university, having um, gone to be a jazz singer. Uh, I had p- I played the viola in right. school in the in the bar orchestra, um, so I really love I really love orchestral music, and um, I had sung when I was at university, and then got listened to more and more jazz. But it was always something that's very important. The music for me is a need. So when you talk about uh, technological change in music and how we absorb it, it's always driven by that it's such a place such a visceral part in people's lives mm-hmm. um and it's nice to be able to kind of look back mm-hmm. and you know and, and look at your journey through music yeah. um i find myself these days not i'm st- i'm not listening to as much as i'd like to really okay, yeah i think i'm i'm missing that um and i find that i'm not having the musical explorations that i'd like to right. i'm I'm sort of still in the albums that i've I pick up new artists, not as much as I used to. But obviously, yeah. um, I used to be a jazz journalist and uh, yeah. you know and write a, a music column and radio presenter. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So then you are, and then I ran a production company which was all about music. So yeah. then you're constantly, you know, voraciously kind of. You know, uh, absorbing new music, and I used to promote gigs as well. Yeah.
0: So you must have been, yeah. It, I mean, it's. I, w- I was going to ask you really is that you you must feel like you've really been at the coalface, particularly of new music, um, and now it must be interesting. I wondered how much you still kind of like to try and discover new music when you can try and think about new artists, and I imagine it's much more difficult now.
1: Well, I do. I do like to. Um, uh, I do a lot of kind of YouTube surfing. Okay. And I like that because then you get keep getting lots of connections yeah. to different music, and yeah. if anyone mentions an artist to me, I'll always log it and then go and you know and play it and have a yeah. look at it yeah. and some people i think not last not since covid but um before that last term and before that people would send me music and send me artists right. as well right. okay. I think that yeah. was really nice actually yeah
0: yeah Good. well how have you so you did you sung a lot at Cambridge? um uh, as a primarily in jazz I understand. and coming back here um and I know that you've probably had less time to see what goes on in the musical spheres of the university but how's 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 doing music changed since you were here in cambridge
1: well it seems like there's a lot more of it um i think i i, I think back to this time last year when it was the uh you know the concerts here and the um yeah blues and chill here as well that was amazing i thought it was so great to kind of seeing so much talent yeah uh and i did um over september in advance of thinking okay we're going to go back from a hundred people to a thousand people maybe i might not be able to see everyone with all the first years i did 16 zoom sessions and uh there were so many musicians yeah so i think that's the thing i've noticed more i, I don't know whether it's the the state of musical education has got better in schools or or how people, their passion for it has got better. But Mm. there seems to be a lot more music.
0: That's interesting. I mean, one of our goals as a society has definitely been to try and um, dig up as many college members who who aren't at Cambridge to do music, Mm. but who nonetheless have huge amounts to offer. And it's it's always a great challenge. And I was a a bit like you, I suppose, I was astonished when I sat down at the Freshers College Fair the amount of people that said to me, oh, "I'm an engineer, or I'm a lawyer, or I'm a philosopher," but you know, I, I actually really love playing the piano, and it was just—it mm. was really overwhelming to to see that. And uh, hopefully, we're trying to get as many of those people involved.
1: No, there was so there were so many. It was it was yeah. it, it was wonderful. Actually, mm. I was just thought that's brilliant. Yeah, it's been great Absolutely for me brilliant. actually
0: because um, I've I, you know I've 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 been heavily involved in music for all my life, really, c- uh, classical music primarily, but. I would say over uni, one of the people that I've learned most from is my housemate, um, Ambrose, who has primarily learned the guitar through just watching YouTube videos. Mm. Very little structure to his music, musical education at all. He often, you know, we sit down and we, we we try and jam sometimes and he brings something to the table that I could never and doesn't occur to me. And it's been really great to be in that. In kind of a microcosm of of people talking about university as being that mixing pot, and it's been quite nice to musically be in a little one myself yeah. um, over the years. Anyway, let's 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 talk about your album. Let's go
1: to the let's go yeah the first first album. Um, I've picked. Um, I, I can't remember. Maybe I might have done this as a masters album of the week, which um, I started when I, f- I first got here, primarily because it was. I came along, and people said, "Look, oh look, there's the masters notice board." I'm like, "Well, you know." Well, what am I going to put on that? Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, like, sure. okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Everything's on email these days, but no. Um, so yeah, so I did that. Um, and it's, I just, you know, I like, I, I love music. So And then once you start it, it's like, oh gosh, I'm going to have to finish. So I don't know how many albums I'm going to have to get through but yeah. I- over the 10 years. Um, this one is, uh, I think I might have picked it, but you don't sometimes get to say why you pick something. Yep. But I remember when I first came to Cambridge, I, I really loved jazz. And I went to Fitzwilliam Um and i i I went to i went mean my friend who I was up from my school with we went into one of the other colleges, but my first time when I thought i'm gay I'm gonna go out into Cambridge on my own, yeah, you know, it was a kind of eighteen um and when I was brought up, my parents were quite strict actually, so coming okay. to um Cambridge for me was just like that kind of okay right, it's a new new city. it felt like I really owned the city I was mm-hmm. out there and the yeah, idea of curiosity and uh, being yeah. able to do lots of things was really great so <laughs> fine. so that was that was good having that, um, that first trip out. But the first trip out I did was I, I, I really liked jazz, and so I went to the um I, I rang up and found out about the um, Cambridge modern jazz club right yeah. Um, and it was run by this woman, a fantastic woman called mm-hmm. Joan Morel. she lived on Peroon Street. I got to know her. I used to go and visit her in a, her house um just off um um Mill Road, Perune Street is. Right. And um I went there and the this band I saw, uh called District Six. Right. Where a mix of South African and uh, and British mu- and English music, um musicians uh with like Mervyn Africa on uh, uh is a pianist. Uh Brian Abrams, who's a drummer, who's got like one of the the deepest, most amazing voices. Um, mm. And um, they were playing, and this album's District Sick live from the, the bass clef in London. So it's like funny sort of connections in life because I saw them first when I was at, um, uh, went to the Cambridge One Jazz uh, Club and they were amazing. Then I got to meet them as well as I became a, a jazz journalist. Mm. And um, and then my office, which I sat my company up in, was at Hoxton Square, which is round the corner from the bass clef, so I used to go to the bass clef for gigs as well. Um, and it's just a, it's actually a brilliant, brilliant album. There's no track which I don't like. Uh, the one which I think shows off, the track I think that really shows off Brian Abraham's voice is Ilanga, um, and it's really beautiful. And I almost, when I left university, and I was thinking, well, what do I do? And I was still thinking I wanted to be, do more singing, and I did a few gigs with Mervyn Africa as well right. so it's right. like it's, it's just an interesting idea that sometimes in life um, you make things happen and you never know where they're going to lead it's all like you know lots and lots of ripples it's very exciting
0: yeah you were talking yeah I mean that's that's absolutely fascinating it's a great place to start I think you, you were talking earlier a little bit about your, your kind of how music it's interesting to look at your journey through music as in what you've listened to over the years and and you realise how, in, how, how intermingled your musical tastes and your musical passions are with the particular context you're in at any one time. And it must be interesting for you to, particularly because you've spent so much time with new upcoming artists, it must, be, it must be interesting to see how different bands and different groups and different singers, their sound develops as they, as they move through life and doesn't always do what you were expecting them to do at the start. That must be a very interesting process.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm, I don't know if I famously love Tom Waits but that's right. been interesting you can track his how his spirit has changed and interpretation of his music has gone from you know very very early albums through to mm. his later raspier uh yeah. more very reflective albums um and the thought processes as well and i think he's a fantastic lyricist right
0: right interesting that's fascinating i, I mean on a yeah, on a le- slightly less sophisticated level, I've, I over the lockdown I li- tried to listen to an album of a different album of Earth, Wind and Fire every day, and it's, it, it's remarkable the the breadth of influence on them and yeah. things. You get these kind of sound worlds kind of half appearing for two or three albums and disappearing again, and you wonder. I just spent ages thinking, I wonder what the kind of direct influence was, you know, there, and then the sound changed so much through the seventies and eighties and. Yeah, it's it was absolutely, it was absolutely fascinating. That, and
1: is, that is fascinating, because I, I think, because I love Earth, Wind and & Fire, and uh, I remember being at a pitch meeting for Radio 2, and um, and this is one of those ones where you kind of realise how far, uh, say, for example, the BBC has come, because I remember in the pitch meeting and the commissioning editor said, well, we want to do a series of albums which reflect people's childhood. Um, and I was sitting there going, oh, "Yes, Earth, Wind, and Fire." <laughs> right. And then I then I said, to her, "Yes, Earth, Wind, and Fire." And then there was this kind of, not a blank look, but it was this kind of look of like, "Well, that doesn't reflect people's childhoods." And I thought, well, "Hang on a second, it reflects mine."
0: Right. You know. So yeah. I think
1: I think it's changing now. I think it's much better. People are that that you get that sort of we. There are so many different inferences that people are kind of listening to, yeah. And how absolutely. you get included in the in the um. Our public discourse, because that's what music is about. That's what music, music radio is. It's uh it's our sort of, it's our discourse. ourselves. Yeah. But Earth and the Fire is a very interesting one because uh, it's the context of the time which might explain the the complete shifts and in, in influences. But that kind of um, commercial shift towards um, where, where many people might think about Earth and the Fire, yeah you know, Boogie Wonderland, and sort of like that sort of you know that kind of an angle. But then you've got a bunch of amazing jazz musicians who've yep. gone into that yep. and well the the jazz yeah. you know if you think about head to the sky as an album that yeah. uh, that's that's like whoa okay album. where did that come from yeah. that was amazing
0: yeah absolutely absolutely and i think yeah i mean particularly around i think I, lo- I, lo- I love i love listening to music from the 80s and 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 so often you get i always think wow this song is i i find myself thinking right this song is but is is just about power this is it's it's really a powerful song it's it's and I, it, I have to remind myself that that I think there's probably a reason, of st- uh, there's a kind of a con- there's a context there, an interesting context when music technology was developing so much, and also the world was changing so much. It was becoming so much more open, and there's a the kind of promise of, um, you know, boundless prosperity, arguably. Um, but I, it's really interesting to listen to the music and see some like social forces like, mm. being. Having having kind of almost a tangible effect on the way that people sang, the way that people made music.
1: Yeah, I think that. I, mean, I, I think what we said earlier, Jason, about the um, technology and how that's driven our our music. It's uh, it, there's always that kind of like I, I don't know. Sometimes with a lot of things, you sort of there's a there's a there's a good question to ask in business, which is why bother? You know why? Right. Who needs it? But I think with music, there's that there's it's it's so emotional uh and for me a good song is it's about storytelling which is also why i i think yeah. i went into media i like i like stories i like film i like you know i, I love that i think that's the oil that keeps us going
0: yeah, yeah you must have had so many memorable conversations about music in your industry really
1: yeah i mean i when you know when i when i started off um you know we had it was it was predominantly analog uh in terms of you know, going from uh, you know my first thing was going to to join Jazz FM's a in, in radio station, and I'd done a bit of journalism as well. Um, um, for a jazz magazine called Straight No Chaser, and that was one of those turning points in life. Again, that kind of like I want to do music. So uh, I remember at the time I was uh, I wasn't working, didn't have much money at all. I was living uh, in New Cross just by Millwall Football Club. Didn't yeah. go out on a Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> Could stayed in. And um I remember this opportunity came, I really liked um uh Winter Mussalis. Right, yeah. A, um, yeah. jazz musician yeah. and uh trumpet player and I just thought it was fantastic. It was amazing. And I just remember I didn't have any money to go to a gig, he was playing a gig and I then contacted the magazine and said oh you know, got an interview with him. They said, oh, yeah, you can write for us. Then I contacted a, a record label and said, I've got an interview with them. Can I get some tickets to go? So I remember they gave me six tickets, and I just thought, media? How interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I've just been given six tickets to go to Winter Masalis. <laughs> I get to meet someone amazing and write about them and take my friends. So I think that was a kind of like, yeah, this this you know, sounds like a good industry to get into.
0: Yeah, the choice <laughs> became obvious, I can see that. Yeah. Well, that's a really great but start. It, but
1: it's interesting though, because I remember at the time, uh, um, I had to make a choice to do that, actually. Mm-hmm. And it's quite a difficult choice, because I remember my, uh, my mum and dad had got a ticket. There was a cheap ticket going to Barbados to go and see the family. And we didn't have that much money, so holidays were always about, I think I only ever really had... Um, Before I got to about 18 or 19, I only had two holidays in my life, actually. And that was to go and visit family in Barbados when I was 10 and when I was 12. And so this ticket came up and I I was like, someone's got to go. We've got a cheap ticket. Someone's got to go. And I had to really make a decision to not go. And I thought, I just thought for some reason that that, um, doing that interview would be important. Sometimes you don't know why, it is, but you just get a feeling that this is the thing I should do. Uh, because yeah, because it felt like that was what I'd been trying to do as a student to write, and I thought this yeah. is going out into the into the wider world. I should do something like this.
0: And that must have been the kind of feeling you were having when you started something else. Do you think, to some degree, you th- you weren't yeah, quite sure? Yeah,
1: yeah. I, I should. I definitely. I'll, before before talking about something else, I've got my second. Yes, choice. of course. So yeah, yeah. it sort of works in a kind of linear fashion. I kind of mentioned that I'd got a job working at Jazz FM. Mm. And that one came about. People say things happen to you for luck. Um but sometimes you make your luck. Um and again it was I, I got the job at Jazz FM because I I think it was just coming up that period where I wasn't doing so much work and was doing a bit more singing and um I then went to a uh, Jazz Against Apartheid gig. Right. Um and um Jazz Against Apartheid meeting, organisational meeting. And then I went to a Cassandra Wilson gig in the same night. And then the same guy was at the same, at both events. Right. Then he just started talking to me and said, oh, you look like a journalist. Do you want to come work for, do you want to come for an interview at this uh, jazz station that's just about to launch? And I went along and got the job. Um, I wasn't paid very much money, but it was just in the, in the publicity and marketing. Right, yeah. Uh, And uh, doing information and then also doing, um, uh, production I wanted to get into production as well, so supporting the production team as a production uh person with information uh, and that was that was you know I- in a way it happened because I was in those two places, so it just right, so goes yeah. to show that sometimes when you are you might be feeling a bit kind of like, Oh, have I come up against a have I come up against a brick wall? do I think I should go out? do I think I should go to that meeting sometimes the answer is yes because it could be the you'll meet someone. Yep. and suddenly yep. another door will open. Yeah, absolutely. So it was a bit like that. But the yeah. the um, so I worked at Jazz FM uh, for a while, and actually I got to make a I did actually get to make be to transfer into production. Right. And I did. Um, I, it's not one of the ones I've picked, but I did a my first documentary was a, an hour long documentary on Joe Harriet, mm-hmm. Um a brass uh, yeah, saxophonist, and. Um, that was really great doing that album because through that I met a, a good friend, someone who became a friend for a while. Um, but then, Jazz FM was set up in the late 80s, and by '91 that was the first recession in my life. Right. You know, yep. it's yep. Uh, it's we're we're going into some tough times at the moment, which is why um, one of the, one of the goals, which you know, it's quite. Which I'm quite keen to do is careers, so that I'm hoping that um, having learnt what 100 to a 1, thousand people looks like in terms of coming back for COVID um, and mm. how that how to keep a community safe, I'm hoping that next term we sort of learn a lot of lessons, can spend a couple of weeks kind of going, okay, well, what did we learn? What did we do? Mm. How can we do it better? How do I work with January and February flu season? But actually, January and February. The nights get in, it's colder, you're yeah. in more. Yeah, I think yeah. that's what I'm thinking about. I'm thinking about darker nights and colder. Yes. So yeah. I hope you keep doing your podcast all yeah. the way through then. <laughs> you, you, you've got to do it in the first six months, first six weeks of the term. But I think um, I was there, but that first recession was tough. It really was. There was um, um, We're just coming off a lot more unemployment. Interest rates were really high. People were, were finding themselves in negative equity. There was a kind of... Um, the bottom fell out of advertising, and right. obviously, if it was a commercial radio station, a business model is advertising. Yeah. Um, yep. So they had to make lots of um, redundancies as well. Nice. I think they also had to make redundancies because they had an a in-house chef. Really, radio station? <laughs> do you need one of those? <laughs> so I nice. think you do. <laughs> and um, uh, and then I remember getting made redundant from there. I took my redundancy really well. I was like yeah, you know, we were being called in one by one. I had to go and sit in front of the managing director director and the managing director and he said oh you know i said yes i know you're making me redundant (laughs) save yourself (laughs) he didn't
0: want to have that conversation either i I don't i
1: didn't mind it it was just like he knew he had to say it and i knew he had to say it i Mm. knew it was his job to say it so Mm. it wasn't sort of like oh you know you're you're picking you're picking me out it was just like yeah with an in-house chef you can see that that was not (laughs) it wasn't going to work but it was a great time at Jazz FM. It was really fantastic. But I remember I got Made Redundant from there. And um, this next album, I know you said pick an album, not just a track. And I kind of picked a track, really. That's I absolutely that, fine. I'm sorry about, fine. about that, <laughs> um, This was a, a the guy who ran uh, Straight No Chaser. It's a guy called Paul Bradshaw. And um, uh, when he found I got Made Redundant, he rang me up and said, can you go and do an interview for me? Right. I'd done a few interviews for him. I did things like... Um, uh, yeah, did, lo- did lots of different artists and you know, re- you know, album reviews and things like that but you said go and interview this band called Chapter and the Verse um, and uh, and that was good because I think sometimes it kind of scooped me out of um, I could have gone like oh no I've been redundant that's it I'm in bed now but actually having someone scoop you out and say get active mm-hmm. was really really good Because sometimes you get moments like that and you can't imagine all the things you've done. You define yourself from what you've done in the past and you get to a juncture and you have to think, okay, how do I define myself going forward? Who who am I? What's the change? What am I leaving behind and what am I going to? Um, So it's nice actually to have someone come along and go, just do something. Do something productive, be active. This is your deadline. uh, And it just helps you. Um, So I, I really haven't picked the whole album it's kind of like, it's not like, uh, the, the, this one's called, the, the track I, I like, it's called Black Whip. And the um, the the lyrics are all about sort of, you know, the slavery and the, um, uh, w- where that's, uh, but it's kind of like, the, it's kind of hip hop jazz. So right. you're kind of, you know, you're sort of getting into it and going, oh, I'm, should should I be dancing to this? <laughs> 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 should I be dancing to these lyrics? <laughs> so yeah, Very so that's the chapter and the verse and the album's um, Great Western Street. Brilliant, thank you. And, that's and that was why I picked that one.
0: And that was at the beginning. So that after Jazz FM, that was at the beginning. Just bef- is that just at the beginning of something else? That was just at the, the beginning project? of something else.
1: Because again, in the kind of get active mode, I literally um, got made redundant, and uh, we were probably had a kind of week or a couple of days still there, and then uh, immediately just made a logo for a new company. Brilliant. That was the first you. thing, and then got active to do things. It's like okay, right, make a logo for a new company and. Off we go.
0: Great, great. And that feeling of potentiality must have been thrilling, although slightly terrifying.
1: It, well, it is I think that, I think that um I've, I've always found business very creative uh, I found business creative, I find art creative, I find music creative, I find um, uh, writing creative and and in a way, there's a kind of something that links all of those is uh, is the idea of an explorer where you kind of you kind of think well I'm I'm roughly going over there but I'm not exactly sure of the route. Yep. Yeah. And the exciting thing is actually working out the process. And sometimes the exciting thing is thinking thinking up the things you have to do in order to get to next.
0: Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, and I think you were you were definitely at the sharp end of that in working in such kind of um working in, in 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 businesses at the at the front of of the creative industry like really you know, new ideas and working with new technologies and things but i think that applies almost across the board i think well, it
1: um, it does um it, it applies if you're if it's a pure if you're purely about telling stories or or making music and technology has changed the way in which music is made mhm it's democratized it so that you know you have people who you know, can make music in their bedrooms. They've got a studio. Uh, you know, um, and it was it was interesting being in my company was in um, uh, Hoxton Square, which was attracted lots and lots of creative industries, but it was also coming up through the time when um, when I was in radio, you used quarter-inch tape. And you didn't edit on on a computer. You edited with a razor blade, your and, a, and, a, and a tape on a on a ewer. Right. Yeah. And you cut the tape, and you had to really listen to cut and make a good edit. Um, so you had to kind of really, you know, commit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah <laughs> commit absolutely. To that razor blade cut and yeah. uh you, wow. yeah, you, you, yeah you're spending time sort of de-umming people that was uh, that was always uh, an <laughs> interviewer who someone who said um, um um all the you time you could spend many hours doing that with me so <laughs> <laughs> um but but um, being around there is uh, yeah, I remember at the time we were started off in Hoxton Square and then I bought a building uh for the company just on uh, Old Street but at the time at a similar time coming through were um Spotify around the corner and then Shazam so, and also the, the business model was changing, and I talked about 1991 and advertising being that model. And yeah. advertising is always chasing different different models and different ways of of um, of relating and catching people. But that model, in terms of the shift, in terms of rights and you know, uh, WAP came on board. And I, I remember actually being in a in a room with um, a newspaper group. Talking about internet radio, and it was the time when you know th- there wasn't the bandwidth to have audio on the internet, and that was their view. And we were going, no, 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 it will happen. Right. So things have changed. So uh, you know, you think about you know fiber optics and packet and packets of of uh, of sound and data, and you yeah, and now we're into video on demand, sound on demand. It's, it's really exciting, actually. I mean, it's nice to actually be prompted to think about it and to think about that shift and change that you've you've witnessed and seen yeah it must
0: be yeah and it's it's it, it's it's always fascinating to think to think back to before it was absolutely the norm because i've o- i've obviously grown up being able to being able to listen to so much from and and there's such a breadth of music out there now if I search for a piece of choral music I can automatically find you know upwards of 10 recordings on Spotify and things Mm. and it's 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 really interesting to think back to a time when that wasn't the norm I mean I remember it's interesting you mentioned Spotify and Uh, because I had a friend when I was working in Windsor who used to be a lawyer and had moved into teaching and he he had he'd worked for Hyperion and he had some interesting words to say about you know the concerns when Spotify was relatively new about the protection for artists and things mm. and did Did you find yourself kind of competing with Spotify? Was that something you noticed that
1: um, not really, I think because I think in a way it's because our business model was about being a production company and servicing people. I think we tried to go into those different sorts of areas, but it's a kind of like if you like if you think about music as a sort of central need it, it's the uh, it's the kind of why bother question i asked you yeah. which is that we bother because we love it and there's a market in it because people just love it we've always loved music we always will love music and it will mean so much to people in, individually wherever your your journey is but anyway if you can see that as a uh that the communication of music, the communication of ideas around music, whether it's um, getting inside the head of someone uh, who's an artist, or having an artist curate something, mm-hmm. or you know, radio, or you know, the people from Spotify came at it from more of a technological point of view, was their route in as opposed to a content yeah. creation. Mm-hmm. So it's a different route in, which gives you a different answer, which then gives you a different business model. But I do remember at the time because I remember I know th- knew the. the you know the guy who was a fantastic guy who head of the rights you know performing rights everyone was really looking at that and struggling with that as an idea and it was a kind of sort of seismic shift really that you could see was about to happen in yeah. the um in the music industry
0: yeah like well like you say earlier you you you've you've mentioned a few times kind of when you start doing something new you 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 have to go for it. You have to take a bit of a leap of faith. You're not being entirely sure where it might go, wh- which you know. And but you just have to kind of do it and wait and see. And it must have been the case that when you were when you were witnessing how much technology was changing the music industry, it must have been the case that there was, you know, it was equally worrying, and there were there were doubts, and there were people that were trying to slow the process down at the same time as all these people, like you say, getting getting excited about the future. Yeah,
1: I, I think so. I think sometimes people slow the slow the process down because. <clears throat> Not because they, they don't recognise that there's a process, but it's because they recognise there is a process and they want to slow it down so they can get on board or they can work out how to shift their business model. Mm, mm, um, I remember, mm. and we talked about Spotify, Shazam, I thought it was really exciting and it's, you know, great concept. And you think about it, you know, getting a piece of software that recognises all the music. Yeah. isn't that amazing yeah. when you just get your head around that it's incredible
0: yeah um,
1: and then you could see that Shazam was really working and it, it really took off when it become from that as a kind of central idea with it's a big idea let's do that I mean it's like one of those you know Google Earth let's just photograph everything I mean that's just I love big ideas like yeah. that they're just fantastic yeah. and I love the I love organisations which go yeah we're going to do it mm-hmm. um, so I yeah. thought Shazam was interesting but as you, as you could you could track its development through its business deals
0: Right, like yeah.
1: you could track the development of Netflix through its business deals. Yeah, you know when you can go and buy um, a TV and there's a Netflix button on the remote control, and you think to yourself, someone sat there and negotiated that. Yeah, and yeah. they've negotiated it to make it easy for you to get to their products. I mean, that's yeah. the uh, maybe that's the example of the stepping stones. It's like wha- how do you get to next? How do you get to yeah, you know, yeah. be the world's biggest streaming service? And they're probably still sitting in a room thinking about yeah. What next is?
0: Yeah, and all of a sudden, the kind of the challenger, the new challenger in the in in an industry becomes, you know, one of the names, one of the names in the tapestry, and then presumably that changes their approach. Once they become kind of dominant in a market, then their their thinking shifts. But I was this is an interesting thing that I was I was hoping to ask you about, which we've slightly already covered, which is that. The interaction between kind of the business aspect of your career and the kind of creative aspect, and it strikes me that from what we've just been talking about, that maybe the, you've found it, you haven't, you haven't kept a rigid separation between the two. They've been just all part and parcel of one and the same process. Is that?
1: Oh well, yeah, I think I think so. I think that you uh, quite early on, I, mean, I set the company up as a as a radio production company, because my background was in radio. Um, but then, in terms of how you expand it, uh, it was very clear that what we were doing was selling creativity. And so, when you also got a small company, when there was like three of us, then we had a fourth person. After I after I ran the uh, radio stations at uh, uh, Edinburgh Festival, then uh, we got someone from there who came on to um, to work for us. And um, you were always everyone mucks in. Yeah, you know, you're everyone's sitting there writing creative proposals to go off to Radio 4 or go off to Radio 1 right, yeah. uh, and, but then you know I'm also then doing the VAT return or speaking to the accountant <laughs> or, yeah. you know, or saying right we need non-exec director who should we get or um, as it went on mergers and acquisitions and things like that Yeah, um, well, you know, what building should we be at what do we do and how should we go off and do a kind of you know a sort of strategy days and things like that um, so yeah it's it, I think it all, I think it always has been a kind of intertwining of being creative and uh and the business side I, I did have to make a choice there at some point in my life because i then from doing the the um radio i then ended up doing a being a radio presenter doing doing um features for radio four uh radio five and then being a radio presenter on a weekly shows for right. um bbc london I think there was a point at which I was like I'm gonna have to choose to either go down this road or d- just focus on the company. So then I had to stop being a radio presenter. Right, yeah, yeah, as things
0: got bigger. Yeah, yeah. that's interesting. But I
1: don't think I don't think I've lost that urge. I don't think you should ever lose that urge actually. You yeah, know, I think that yeah. um once I'd I'd stopped working on my company and then um I'd gone off and doing lots of um uh different non exec roles, um, portfolio career. I still then came went back to um, thinking about, uh, you know, writing, you know, doing creative writing or, or uh, taking up, um, you know, ceramics or pottery mm-hmm. and, you know, painting. I just think it's important that as yeah. you... Uh, and, and actually, what's actually nice about getting older, this is my secret <laughs> for getting older, is you sort of go, do you know, I don't have to be the best at this i just have to enjoy it and yeah. there's a certain kind of like it's really freeing i really like that
0: yeah yeah i mean uh, i mean on a much <laughs> on a slightly different level but you know i've i've i'd always thought as a when i was growing up that i just wanted to do music for my whole life and i've now kind of i've, I've now i've done a coming to the end of my law degree and you know l- looking towards being a lawyer, I've. And I get I get this I get this kind of question a lot, particularly from people that know me from music. Like, sort of, uh, such a shame that you're gonna, such a shame that you're leaving that behind. Mm. And my uh, my instinct is always like, well, what, what what the hell do you mean? Of course I'm not. It's a massive part of my life, and yeah. it always will be. Sure, I won't I won't be always practicing four hours a day or trying to do gigs like I was in my gap year, but. It's it's there. It's kind of
1: it's yeah. Kind of you do quite a bit up. of composing, don't you? A little bit, yeah, yeah. a little
0: bit. I, I'm I'm not. <laughs> it's nothing cutting edge, uh, but um, it's mostly um, my composition is mostly um, it's mostly quite linked to the context in which I've learned to do music. So there's a, it's mostly choral music, mostly sacred, and there's mm. a little bit of there's a little bit of um, kind of. Uh, English song in there and, and yeah. that's that's actually that's been a big thing for me this year when there's been less structured music and I imagine that you know um, that might be the same for, for lots of different musicians when there's been less going on and um, this year I've been writing more and thinking more and actually listening a lot more um, whereas in first year it was all kind of concert today going to a concert tomorrow it was a bit busier and there was less time for that sort of thing. How are we doing for time? Just I'm thinking, should we do one more album, maybe? Um, and then I ought yeah. w- to let you go. But should we? Should we? Should we just finish with one last album and then a couple of closing thoughts? Um, go ahead.
1: Well, I mean, the the, the last album I, I've picked, and I've I'm going to leave a lot of time. Um, There's a huge time gap in time between the one I picked before and then this one as well. This one isn't actually an album. It's a kind of um, it's uh, it's like five tracks uh from a, a band called uh Speaker's Corner uh quartet uh from two thousand and nine. Um and I don't know if you could track it down. It's called Further Back Than the Beginning. Um and these this uh band my I, I used to live in a a, a community of, of um self built houses, wooden houses on stilts in um in southeast London. And I, I love that um community we subsequently left in about oh, i don't know 2015 or something I can't remember the exact date um but it was it was great and uh, I was next door to um uh, my next door neighbor had four boys and uh uh three of them were professional musicians still doing lots of music uh, these mm-hmm. days and um this one is uh, the cellist and bass player uh, kareem days um was in this um had this band called um Speaker's Corner Quartet. And the reason I've picked it, it just reminds me of um really amazing jazz where you kinda thought it was from a different it's it sort of it was in two thousand nine but it sounds like jazz from a different era. But it's just really inventive and really great and um and I used to play this very loudly as I drove my son back and forth to um Water in Kent where he was doing windsurfing. Right. Um <laughs> right. Yeah, you know, I think as you get Older, you know, it, we, but it is that whole that whole idea that you're you're just a taxi service for your <laughs> for your child. <laughs> We've all heard that <laughs> one before, and yeah. it's true. The minute <laughs> yeah, the minute you can get on the bus, you're like yes, excellent, <laughs> <laughs> off you go. <laughs> uh, but no, that was great, and I just I just love it. It's so it's a it's definitely a piece of music to play loudly. Uh, uh, I would yeah. suggest listening to it. I I will put it up as my album of the week, but no, probably next term. Brilliant. Okay.
0: Okay. And uh, that's that's really fascinating. And and I just maybe I'd I'd like to just close with with a, with one final question. I think when we come back to some semblance of normality, I'm not going to make a judgment on how normal things will be um, and when and and all of that. But what's what's the what's the musical experience you're looking forward to most when we get back to normal?
1: Oh, I think I think I'd like um, please and chill in the in the in the chapel that the that the community wants. Um but in other places as well. I think we should just be more expansive. Uh, well yeah. I was actually really struck by the, the amount of musicianship and uh instruments and playing that there was in the first years when yeah. I spoke to them. Yeah. Um so I think that sing a full orchestra the bells <laughs> saying our time is uh, almost <laughs> over. Um but um yeah, I mean, I seeing a full orchestra as well it would be great. It'd be really cool to maybe th- from COVID times an outdoor concert of the orchestra.
0: It would be an absolute dream. We yeah, should. That would yeah. be
1: that would be really great. Uh, uh, um, yeah, that would be fantastic.
0: Yeah, I mean, we t- we talked very briefly before the show about about using this year to kind of fashion new experiences rather than just do compromised versions of the old experiences. And I think that would maybe be a great place to start slash finish. Um, and yeah. And, and, and if any first year does manage to get to the end of this episode, then <laughs> just uh th- one of our real goals this year is to bring as many, um, to, y- to use a, a slightly in term, but to bring as many kind of part-timers in as possible. We want people who pick up their instrument once a week. We want to hear singers that just have only ever sung alone. And uh, hopefully that our slightly increased online offering is, is, is a bit of a way in for anyone who's considering it. So I'll just, I'll just drop that in at the end. But thank you so much for doing this, no, and i really very grateful indeed. Thank
1: you for having me. I really enjoyed talking to you. <laughs> I'm glad.
0: And um, yeah, maybe, maybe another one next term. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> I think
1: four more albums.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Thanks.